What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. Vernon and Damo back on the show, and today we're going to be talking about Russell Westbrook, and we're going to give you a little bit of a trade deadline preview for the Wiz. But first off, I think we've lost... We haven't won a game since we came uh, back from the break, right? I think we're, what, 0-4 since we came back? 0-4, yeah. Start the year. Start the break. Yep. Yep. And then we got uh, Sacramento tonight. We have four more games until the trade deadline. It's... What is it? Sacramento, Utah. Uh, um, who else is it? Do we play Brooklyn again? Right, let me look. I think it's the Knicks twice and the Jazz. Oh, okay. So, some good opponents coming up. If they're going to win one of them, it'll probably be tonight against Sacramento, but I don't even think that given the position the Wizards are in, that they should be taking them lightly. And I definitely want to get to um, some rough stuff, some trade deadline talk but i mean just since we came back from the break i think we were i think four games outside of the four seed before it was either like between three and four i think is what it was outside of the four seed before the break and then since then we are now i think six and a half out of four and i think we're three games out of the 10 seed if i remember correctly so we we've taken Quite a slump. Um, and we're not alone. The Magic have lost eight in a row, I think, or something like that. So we're not the yeah, only the team that's slumping. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, overall, Even, I mean, what what's kind of your mood right now with this team? I mean, it's, it's the Wizards. It's going to be, you know, this season, it's going to be ebbs and flows. Like, uh, like, I'm looking at it now on the schedule. Like, we've lost four in a row. So of the Cavs, the Raptors have lost five in a row. Uh, yeah. you got the Pacers. You got uh, they've been having some issues. <laughs> they three and seven their last ten. Um, so it it's just one of the this the East is just so bad, man. Like the Wizards are gonna have a shot just by default, man. Which kind of is I don't depending on how you view it is a good thing or a bad thing, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, you know, and the Heat well, have all of a sudden. Crept up to the four seed. Yeah, Miami's waking up. Um, and they was down there with us. Yeah, I mean they were they were looking worse than us at, at one point. Mm-hmm. I saw they beat us earlier in the season, though, right? Or did we win that game? I can't remember. I couldn't even. I couldn't remember. I think. I think. I think they got us. I think it was a close well, game, but I think they ended up winning. But I'm I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, typically how that goes. Um. Anyway, let's get into some rust stuff. So, I think you and me are probably the biggest two. I don't even want to call it rust haters because we don't hate him. It's there. You can't hate someone that you don't know. We just we analyze him (laughs) from his play on the court, and I think it's important to just kind of more have this conversation, especially now where we are in the season, because we get. A lot of flack, and and I mean, I, I know that a lot of his fans on social media are Gen Z mutants. You know, they're probably fifteen, sixteen years old. I know a couple of them are probably in their early twenties, you know, late teens, that sort of thing. And I get mm-hmm. that, you know, they say some of the stuff just to get likes from their posse and whatnot on Twitter, and that's cool. But like, there are some that genuinely think that he's been like a net positive for this team. 
And in terms of just strictly on-court play for this year, because we don't care about what he did last year. We don't care what he did five years ago. We don't care about his MVP because that's not relevant to what's going on here. We are Wizards fans, so we do not care about anything that he did when he was not in the Wizards uniform. Mm -hmm. So I think that, so my stance on Russ is he has been better, and it was clear, and I'll admit, at the beginning of the season, something was clearly not right with him. And since that Brooklyn game, he has visibly looked much better on the court, and he still has his bad moments, just like I think all players on this team do. But my whole thing is he does not get exempt from blame or from criticism because of his resume. or And because, I mean, he's had a better overall career than Beal and whatever else they want to say. It just it, it doesn't make any sense I to leave him from criticism, especially right. since he leads the league in turnovers. He has the ball a decent chunk it would be different if he had a more limited role because then i think that he wouldn't be subject to as much criticism but and i've said this too if you're a a former mvp and an all nba level talent why would you defer to to guys who have only been in the league for a year or two so i'm not knocking russ for that but i'm calling it what it is if you play bad on the court i'm gonna tell you we keep that same energy with Beal. We kept that same energy with Wall when he was here. Mm-hmm. No player is exempt. And we have acknowledged several times that the coaching is terrible. Do the Wizards have the best depth on the team? No, they don't. Like we were just saying before we started recording here, and you've said this several times, I mean, when it comes to our three and five position, it's amongst the worst in the NBA. So no one is saying... and. I'll speak for us two here specifically because, I mean, maybe other people do think this. The reason we are bad, it is not all Westbrook's fault. He is not even the main culprit in all this. He's not. On my list, he's probably fourth or fifth, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. maybe even lower than that. So I'm not, I don't understand like why the Westbrook fans seem to get so defensive, but I seriously wonder, like, Guys, do you watch the games? And the number argument is weird with me when they talk about Beal because, and I guess this is a fair argument to an extent, but you're going to explain why it's different because it is different. And you do a good job of explaining this on Twitter. The whole putting up numbers thing and still losing. It's like, yeah, well, we, we say that with Russ, and they're like, yeah, but Beal does basically the same thing. But, but it is different. And I understand why they, why they would say that. Like, because if you don't know basketball, yeah, you're going to say that. But yeah. I want you to kind of give your take, and I want you to enlighten us specifically on that stance. Because, again, I think you have a really good way of wording this. Yeah, so, I mean, and I, and I hate calling people casuals, but I, I'll just say this. Like, if you're just somebody who just looks at the box score after a game and you say, oh, Russ had 25, 10, and 12, and the Wizards lost, and Bill had his usual 35, 5, and 5, and they lost, you know, and you just keep seeing that, and then you'll see, you know, the tweet storm through the various kind of hype train accounts that post Russell Westbrook, uh, 
you know, dunks and highlights and things like that, you would say, well, you know, I could see easily how you can have the perception that, hey, Russ is doing all he can. Russ is a part of the solution. And, you know, it's the other guys, you know, for the Wizards that haven't won in now, what, three years now as to why they can't win games. Um, But as individuals that watch every Wizards game um, and individuals who kind of go beyond the box scores and look at other numbers to see how a player, particularly a point guard, is really impacting the game, uh, it's hard to say that Russ is a a part of the solution. He's not not necessarily the, the problem, um, some nights he can be a problem, but mm-hmm. when you trade for a guy that's making $41 million, that was all NBA last year, mm-hmm. um, you're trading for him to be a solution. And he has not been that this season. No. Um, if you look at his splits for December, January, February, uh, he hasn't had a true shooting percentage over 49%. All three of those months, um, he's career low free throw percentage. He's shooting. He's only making like half his free throws. He's leading the league in turnovers a night. Um, at his volume, he is the most inefficient player in the NBA by far. Like it's not even close with the volume of shots he puts up. He's top five in the league in touches per game. Like he's averaging more touches than LeBron. You know, he's up there with Luca. Uh, he's up there with Nikola Jokic as far as touches per game, yet he's nowhere near as efficient. He's up there with Harden. Like, these are the guys that are top five in touches. Bradley Beal isn't even top 30 in touches, and yet Beal is averaging 33-5-5. and So imagine what Beal's numbers would be if he had Russell Westbrook-level touches. So it's just like, you know, it's easy to kind of look at it and say, oh, one is put, they're both putting up stats and not winning, but you got to kind of parse through it and, and you got to watch the games to really have a nuanced conversation about these two players and what you're actually seeing because uh, one is playing winning basketball. The other is just kind of, he's trying to, he's trying to get back. Like I, I will acknowledge like he's looked much better in March, but that's like, you know, looking much better than really, really bad. What does that really mean? Like he still has not to me looked like all NBA MVP level player that I'm accustomed to seeing from him. He hasn't looked like that, but in a game, a couple of games, like he looked like that versus the Nets. He looked like that most recently um, where he just had 40, but outside of that, he's looked pretty much average by his standards. Um, and, and that's the issue. I mean, I th- I think he's he's played really well in some other games. I, I thought, especially in that West Coast trip against the Nuggets and the Trailblazers and the Lakers. I mean, he had some really, really solid performances. And I, and there are games this year that I will say we would not have won if Russell Westbrook did not play the way that he did. And. Mm-hmm. I think it's just important for that fan base just to understand that, like, we, again, we can't hate someone that we don't know. 
Uh, <laughs> anyone that's that's proud to put on a Wizards uniform every night and go out there and I mean literally play their ass off every night for this team, I, I think deserves it, at least respect. Um, and and I respect Russell Westbrook. I, again, I I don't dislike him. I respect what he's done for his career. But just overall, I mean, when you talk about his season as a whole, and yes, he has gotten better, but it still just feels like it hasn't really been a net positive. And, and like you were saying, when when you trade for a guy that's making over forty million dollars, I mean, the and you trade away your franchise player, the guy that's been on your team for 10, 11 years. The assumption is that you're going to get that value on the court. And we just haven't seen that. And you can look at the numbers and be like, yeah, like, you know, he's not really doing much different than what he's been doing prior years. So what's the problem? But if you watch the tape and you watch the film, like, he hasn't lived up to that $40 million value. And I know you can look at that and say, well, you know, that's what the GM gave him. You know, if someone wanted to give you $30 million, what are you going to say no? And it's like, yeah, okay, I get that. I get that. But at the same time, like when someone trades for you, like when you had talked with the Wizards camp, like, yeah, you know, we're going to bring you in. And, you know, we just want to see like where you're going to be at. Like, do you really think you can help this team? Because when you again, when you make that type of trade, the idea is you're going to get something better than what you've already had. And we didn't even see what John Wall looked like. So it's like if you were going to get the same tier level talent, you may as well have just kept Wall because you can basically save yourself a couple second round picks and you don't piss off four fifths of your fan base. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, when the trade happened, I wasn't expecting us to get, you know, 2017 Russ. Like, he's been on a decline for the last three, four years. Um, but I wasn't expecting to get this Russ, where, you know, it, it take it's going to take two, three months for him to even get a dunk. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not driving to the lane. He's doing, you know, Magic Johnson-level post-ups from half-court down. Like, I, I wasn't expecting that. Um, you know, and, and I can I, I can give him the benefit of the doubt and just say he was hurt. You know, right. he was hurt then because the rust that we've seen in March or towards the end of February and now in March, he's been 26, 12, and 6 with a 55% true shooting percentage. That's the rust I was expecting to start the year. And if you had that rust to start the year, you're probably not sitting number 12 in the East. No. Um, I would pretty much guarantee you're not. Uh, and that's and that's part of what the argument is like like Beal's numbers are what they are and they're consistent across the board whether the Wizards win or lose. Right. And and that's a testament to Beal. Like it's not like when the Wizards lose, he only putting up 18 points and on 30% shooting. Like he balls out no matter what. The issue is what are the guys around him doing on a night in, night out basis? so that he doesn't have to average 40 and go on elite efficiency and guard the opponent's best score or guard like that. He's not LeBron James. He's not, <laughs> he's just not, he's not Michael Jordan and, and kind of holding him to that standard and expecting him to be that 
I think is a is a is a, is kind of garbage. Like we know mm-hmm. what he is. We need to supplement the the top fifteen player that we have with guys that are going to be consistent performers night in night out. And until you do that, you're going to be sitting in the bottom of the conference. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to to quickly touch over that. I mean, I doubt any of those fans are going to listen to this anyway. But I mean, I just. I just wanted it to be known, like for the record, like again, we don't we don't hate him. We we don't want him to fail. In fact, we would like him to be as elite and as Russ MVP level as he can get. But the reality of the situation is just that for the majority of the season, he has been a major headache. And I mean that with all respect to the future Hall of Famer. It is not Again, it doesn't come from a place of, of disrespect. We're just we're tired of bad basketball and no one is exempt from being criticized. That's that that's the major point. And again, if you still disagree with all this, then you're a moron. I <laughs> I I don't know what to tell you. Um I mean God bless Russ and his fans though, man. Um and just I guess the bigger picture thing here is Russ isn't going anywhere for the next two years, um, next three years. So can we at least just all try and be reasonable and just find some common ground on all this? Um, that'd be really nice. Cause I'm tired of having to argue with thirteen year olds on Twitter about how Russ taking yeah. twenty minutes off the shot clock and then shooting a contested mid range shot is bad basketball. Or taking uh, nothing off the shot clock and just pulling up from three. <laughs> right. And again, I mean, I would love nothing more. I would love nothing more than Russ to play well, to play at an all NBA level. The Wizards have had two guys on the all NBA team and two starters at all star game and more national TV games. And everybody yeah. talking about the Wizards as this two headed monster yeah. contender. I would yeah. love that. I would so love that, but that ain't what we getting right now. <laughs> so, no. And it, it's not because Bill ain't holding up his end of the bargain. So, yeah. <laughs> like, like Bill, I believe, is going to be on the All-NBA team this year. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so, again, like, that's, like I said, he's holding up his end of the bargain. I'm waiting for Russ to kind of get on the train. And, and so far, the last few games he's been playing – up the snuff, if you, you know, besides the free throw shooting. But um, I'm hoping, you know, he gradually gets more and more healthy and we can get a real off season mm-hmm. this summer. And now you come back with a, a legitimately healthy Russ, a Western healthy Bill, a healthy Bertans, a better Denny, a better Rui, and, you know, maybe a real head coach. Um, and a healthy and, and Thomas a, Bryant. A healthy Thomas Bryant, um, and you got a little bit of financial flexibility to kind of get some defenders in here, um, mm-hmm. so to make a real make a real run. Because yeah, uh, yeah, that we know they're not we we know they're not hitting the blow up button. No, again, and I think that's the bigger point here, and that's actually kind of a a good way to break into the trade talk here is just the reality that they're not rebuilding. Um, they're not going to be sellers until Beal says that he wants out. And he, I don't think at this point, again, if he hasn't said that he wants out now, I don't know that he ever will. So um, let's get, let's get into some trade talk here. So given that we think the wizards are going to be buyers, uh, we've heard some names. We've 
heard Porzingis. We've heard Drummond. Um, Wizards fans like Cat. We know that there's conflicting reports on Vucevic. Um, saying some saying that yeah they're open for business dealing him. Some saying no, you know he's an all star. We don't want to move him. Um, as far as current pieces on the Wizards go, Quentin Mayo has reported that Troy Brown is on the trade block. And um, Chase Hughes has said that teams are interested in Ish Smith. So, I mean, I think there's definitely some small moves to be made. I'm not sure exactly what those moves are. I think that we had a nice discussion the other day. Or was it yesterday or the day before? I, I think it was the day before on um, on George Hill and what a deal for him may look like. So, you know, it's there's some different options out there if they – want to add some pieces to compete they just got to get a little creative i think that robin lopez's salary is actually valuable and i'll say this because i think that he would be a good trade piece for a team that's looking to get off a multi-year salary like if they if they got someone that's making eight nine million like again like a george hill that's going to be extending past Mm -hmm. this season maybe that's a scenario where you can throw in Okay, Robin Lopez and Troy Brown for George Hill and like another small ding, salary, ding, ding. like a like a Mike Muscala or something like that, because Oklahoma City is going to want to get off that salary, right? So, um, right. I, I mean, what do you think overall about the the trade deadline outlook for this team? I mean, do, do you think they'll make any sort of significant move? I, I still think that this like the big big move would happen in the off season, but if they want to make some pieces if they want to make some moves now to get some pieces for the bench for heading into next year to where you have some guaranteed salary tied up on your books i mean i think that that's possible 100 percent. yeah and, and and that's why i kind of been throwing the george hill thing out there because he's a he's a he has so much playoff uh experience and he's a two-way player and i just feel like that's what this roster is missing like we don't have enough two-way players. Like, if you look at all of the teams sitting at the top of the conference, of both conferences, their roster is filled with guys that play both ends. You know, they can score, shoot, and they can guard their position at a high level. And I think with the Wizards roster, it's kind of like a lot of patchwork specialists. You know, it's guys that can really shoot it, but they can't guard. Or you have guys that can guard decently, but they can't shoot it. Mm-hmm. Um George Hill to me at that guard spot combo guard because he can play the one or the two. Yeah, I think yeah. would be a huge upgrade over Neto, and I and I love Neto, you know his grit, but it's just physics, man. Like he gets picked on um, by by bigger guards, especially going to the rim. Like it's just it's just nothing he can do because guys that six three, six four, six five, they just shoot right over him, um, and they kind of just move him out the way and. They get layups, and we don't have anything on the back end to really, you know, be a, a rim protector. So he gives up a lot then. He has games where he can be kind of feisty, get into you, get steals. But to me, he's not a guy that, you know, uh, ball defender rim, like, keeps a guy from getting to that rim. Um, and, and I like the idea of having another guard, a third guard, that can kind of take some of the ball handling away from Russ and Beal, especially in those crunch moments. 
Because um, I could see a scenario, three-guard lineup, George Hill, Russ, Beal, on the floor together to close games. Like, I, I could see that. Uh, but that's not something that I would like with a Neto or Ish Smith because they're just too miniature, and they can't guard – they can't really guard their position. So um, – and he's, and he's under contract for another two years, this season and another – another year at nine mil. So he's a guy you could see, okay, next year we intend on making a legitimate playoff run and George Hill could be in that equation. So a little bit of breaking news here. It's not really wizards related. Um, Trevor Reza just got traded to Miami for Myers Leonard. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Interesting. I I wonder if this kind of opens the door now for the thunder to, kind of be getting to go ahead and rolling the ball here as they try and mm-hmm. getting rid of some of those vets. So, I mean, again, I like George Hill. Did they, did they include a pick or? Yeah, it's. Um, they had to um, include a pick with that. <laughs> Trevor Reza to Miami for Myers Leonard in a 2027 second. Um, okay. So they got a second round pick out of it. Okay. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Myers Leonard, he ain't going to play. They just, that was just to get a second round pick. Yeah, well, which I mean, I mean, you can't give enough credit to Oklahoma's. Uh, They're doing it right, man. Front office, man. Yeah, I mean, you you have your main piece in Shea and the rest of it, you know, because again, small market, you're not you're not signing anyone. So anything that you do is going to have to come through the draft or trades, and they're just building up those trade chips or so draft assets. So it's so insane. It's insane. Um, but they I mean, can't do a Danny Ainge. They can't do a Danny Ainge and just hold on to him, hold on to him, no. and draft the wrong players. Like you're gonna have all them picks. You better go get somebody, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, I definitely like the idea of of George Hill being on this team, and I think it would be good injury insurance too for Russ in case Russ gets that injured too. and has to miss a little bit because you know that that's a guy that we've said. I mean, there are points that in the season where we were saying that we would rather have George Hill as our starting point guard than Russell Westbrook. So, <laughs> right, um, right. Definitely he's, a guy that would play well. The, he's the vet version of Tyrese Halliburton. Like he's, he's the guy you can play him at the one or the two. He can play on ball, off ball. He guards the position. He shoots it well. Um, and I think he's on a pretty good salary, like 9 million for, for a guy that can start games for you at either guard position. I think that's pretty Pretty solid. Like if he was making the salary he was on before, I think he was making at one point over fifteen million. Like that's crazy for him. But yeah. nine million, I'll take him. I'll definitely take him. Yeah. Um I guess another name that would be out there is PJ Tucker. I I gotta be honest. Um I, I don't think that we have what it takes to trade for PJ Tucker because I truly think that they're gonna want a first round pick. And I don't think that we're in oh, any position God, to no. be doing that. Oh no! If that's what they want, they can keep them. Right. I'm not giving up a first round pick for a 36 year old four point per game player. Like I'm not doing that. No. But I mean, <laughs> maybe this Ariza trade knocks down the price though, because Ariza is a solid defender and can hit his threes too. And they just um, yeah. they gave up a multi year salary and a second round pick. But Ariza so, making 12 million though too. Yeah. So he got pretty decent salary, so. You know, I actually think that's good for Miami. Like they get another wing defender because Iggy hasn't really been that good this year. 
Um, uh, that extension was so stupid. Was yeah. so stupid. And I said that at the time. That was terrible. Yeah, supposed to have been saving them from some of some horrible signings they've been making. Like, you know, his ability to kind of maximize the talent they had with his coach, you know, his coaching. But some of the signings Miami been doing has been kind of head scratching. But um, Ariza will be able to give them something defensively. And they're already a, an elite defensive team with Jimmy Butler on the floor. So uh, that's they just adding to it. They got Avery Bradley too, don't they? Yes. Yeah. They got all the Bamas we need. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the only thing I can remember from Avery Bradley this season was when he was trying to guard Denny and Denny did a spin move on him and went to the rack and just yammed it. Oh, yeah, that was beautiful. 6'9", yeah. uh, man. <laughs> I love Avery Bradley, though. I think Avery, Avery Bradley is a player that I would take on the Wizards um, easily. easily. I just want him just in practice just to see them battles with him and Beal. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, in terms of us moving guys, I mean, I think you worded it pretty well earlier. I mean, I think it's like a, a Mo Wagner or a Troy Brown because you got to be realistic about what the Wizards are going to be willing to move. And I don't think that right now they're going to want to move Denny or Rui um, to get a big piece. I think, again, that, that if they want to reevaluate in the offseason once they get a new coach in and maybe a new GM, you know, maybe they make that evaluation and they go from there but right now um the wizards tend to play kind of conservative especially during the season so i don't unless there's a bargain out there for a veteran i i don't see what what's fancy that they could bring in but i mean in terms of getting rid of guys i mean i'm sure they could get second round picks for guys like mo wagner troy brown um i don't know what they'd be able to get for jerome robinson i mean jerome robinson's probably just a player swap um, even Bonga, I think would. I think Bonga could bring in a second round pick. Um, but well, I, I, think, they, I think Bonga has some some value as a guy that's just a different wing defender. And you're just looking at him and saying if he could just become a little bit slightly higher volume shooter, three point shooter, mm-hmm. he can play. Um, yeah, well, I like but, I like Bonga. I don't like him as our starter or even our backup no, small forward. But I mean, I like no. Bonga. Bonga's Bonga's okay with me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, I can see I, they're they're gonna have to. F- I, I mean, the best what's the the guys that they're willing to trade? I'd imagine are Mo Wagner. Well, the guys they're willing to trade that have some value. I'll say that Troy Brown Jr., Lopez, Ish Smith, and then probably Mo Wagner. I don't think mm-hmm. yeah the other guys have enough value to really get anything back. Uh, that's worth even discussing. Um, so I mean, if you add all those salaries up, that's about what 17 million in salary. Um, let's see, 7.36 so, that's 13, Troy is 16, and then Mo is two, so about 18. About 18, yeah, yeah. so about 18 million in salary. You can get you can get some solid players. I mean, if you kind of scour through you know, the salary list, it's some it's some good vets that can be had in that range. Some you know, eighteen million eighteen mil and under. Um George Hill is one of them. Uh mm-hmm. I mean I've had people throw out the whole Miles Turner thing again. I don't know I, that <laughs> that's not worth it to me because to me Thomas yeah. Bryant is the Thomas Bryant to me is is just a better player in my opinion. And I know that the defensive abilities and all that is going to 
have some people leaning the other way. Heck, you may even think that Miles Turner is better than Thomas Bryant. I think that Thomas Bryant's better, and he's way cheaper. I think it's even. I think it's even, but it's just one one extreme or the other. Like, probably based on what we need, we would probably fare better with Miles Turner because we need the defense. I mean, he's in the right. defensive player of the year uh, uh, rankings right now. Um, I don't think Thomas Bryant's ever going to be on anybody's defensive player of the year list. No, uh, no. Um, but he has so, shown the ability then, to at least play defense. That, that's what makes it like yeah. – uh, if, if, if it was impossible for Thomas Bryant to play defense, then maybe you go ahead and make that move. But to me, if they're – like you were saying, the same level player and Thomas Bryant has way more upside on the offensive end. To me, there's just no yeah. deal to be had. Yeah, and then he's younger, and then it's just like and – then the, and then the money. Um, it's the money, man. Like, I – the idea of paying a guy seventeen million to play center, seventeen eighteen million a year for for the center position, that's a little too rich for me. I, I I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Um, At that point, you may as well just throw in all the chips and get Vucevic. Yeah, just go get Vuc or try to get Cat if you're gonna do that. Um, don't play around with it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't think Miles Turner is on the table. I mean, I know they kicked the tires on that last year, but I don't think that's on the table no more. Um, and then at, as far as wings, like just looking at Chase article, I saw he had mentioned uh, Jeff Enos. Uh, is it Jeff Enos or James Enos from the Magic? James Ennis, yeah. James Ennis, yeah. I think he'd be pretty solid. I mean, he has tools as far as his size and whatnot. And he's a pretty decent three-point shooter. Um, but I've always liked, I mean, I like the guy you bring up a lot, Glenn Robinson Jr. Um, I think, I think he could, he could help, but that would just be a free agent. But, um, right. I don't know. The, the wing options are kind of bare. You know, it's kind of bare out here for the wings. I mean, th- this is what I think. This is why I think they could both be buyers. Well, not necessarily buyers, I guess. I- I'll say sellers, and then you dip into the free agent pool to add your talent. Because if Andre Drummond gets bought out, we've said that we need additions on the wing and at center. We can use the DPE to to sign Drummond, and then if you can try and find homes for Mo Wagner, for, for Troy Brown, and just bring in second-round picks back or something, that leaves that open salary for you to go ahead and bring in a Glenn Robson at the three. So now suddenly your depth looks much better because you have your backcourt, obviously. Um, but now on the wing, you have Glenn Robinson and Denny um, and mm. Matthews. And all three of those guys bring different things to the table. But in Glenn Robinson, you add some shooting and you add some defense. And then at center, you still have the ability to play Alex Len, um, Robin Lopez. But the main thing is you get you get your center. You get the guy who's going to rebound for you. And as a 2020 yeah. guy still, it's not going to twist it. He's only 26, 27 years old, Andre Drummond. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I'd agree, man. Um, I think they have some options. They don't have a lot of options. But they had some options to to get to get better defensively and address some of their rebounding um without giving up so many assets that it kind of hurts them or other 
Right. And and that's sort of the thing, right? Is since they're not going to be willing to give up some of those guys on their roster right now to bring in pieces, I mean, the way to go about it is to probably just look at the free agent pool. I mean, let's just call it what it is. I mean, if, if they still want to win, um, you know, there's a chance they may have to be active, but the Wizards are only, I think, what, 800K under the luxury tax. So they're, if they want to sign guys to bring them in, that's fine, but they're going to have to ship some guys out for something or, or, or for nothing, like a pick that, or salary that's not as much. Um, when you talk about adding a wing and adding a vet men contract, I think that's like, what, 1.6 mil or something like that. Yeah. So um, yeah. I don't even know if Alex, I mean, I don't even know what Alex Lund's contract is. I think it's around that. It's, yeah, it's something like I'm real light. Um, yeah, I just yeah, I just think uh, whatever they do this trade deadline, it's going to be very marginal, kind of trim around the edges. Um, and then this summer, you know, depending on who's coach, who's GM, I think that's when you'll really see some real moves made if they make any at all. Um, I will say that I would almost guarantee that Troy Brown is gone by by the deadline the, or by the summer. By the deadline, I, I think he'll be gone. I think someone's going to take him. You think they're going to just trade him for like a second, or you think they're going to try to get like a a productive vet? I don't know which route they're going to take. I just think that he's going to be gone. I think that they'll find some way to move him. I, I would all I would almost like to say certainly that Ish Smith will be gone, but. Maybe there's just a chance that someone doesn't really want to take back the six million and would rather go with another option or a free agent option after a buyout. So who knows? Um, but I definitely think the Troy Brown will be gone. Um, do you have any predictions for the trade deadline on, on what you think will happen? I mean, I really hope that they could package Troy in one of Ish Smith or Lopez for something. Um, preferably ish with Troy, um, and get back something, whether that be a vet wing or a combo guard or or shot blocking, rebounding big. I'm not sure, but uh, if they could do that, I would be a decently satisfied camper. Um, right, because I think even like. But like you were, I think this is the deal you kind of minimized it to the other day. Like if you just do Ish Troy and a second round pick for George Hill, I'll do that. You could sign me up for that today. I'd even do two second round picks, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, you try to keep it at one, but I mean, yeah. you know, if a lot of teams are going to be calling about him, you know, it is what it is. You know, cough up the dough. Because yeah. um, then that is because then that the Thunder basically get a young asset in Troy and they get a second round pick for a guy in George Hill that they know they don't have in the future plans. Like, I think that's a pretty good get. Um, and Troy, I think, would be a really good fit. Like, if they want to move Shea more off, like they've been playing Shea at the two, you know, you can play Troy Brown at the one and give him opportunities to have the ball and set up Dort. And set up Shea and you know those types of guys. I think that'd be a really good spot for him. Yep, yep. I would agree. I would so agree. Um, I think they need to call the Thunder because um, clearly the Thunder are sellers. Like that Trevor Reza, that's just the first domino. 
move. I don't think they're going to move off Al Horford, though. I think they're going to try to keep him. I think that's going to be hard for them to move Horford. I mean, that's 27 million. Yeah, that's 27 million for a guy who's, I mean, an undersized five. I mean, this is the guy who in his prime got beat out by Gortat in a playoff series. I mean, it's. Yeah. I mean, well, I I would say even because Horford dished it just as good to Gortat as Gortat dished it to him. But like, but, but you see my point. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's the the big team though to to watch for selling. We already saw Reese go. I, I the George Hill, obviously the next one. Um, some other teams here that I would watch in terms of selling. I mean, I think you still have to consider the Magic, um, because I, I think they will want to move off from Aaron Gordon. Who knows if they'll want to move on from Vucevic? I mean, they've lost eight in a row. I mean, that is that is not good. No, <laughs> and those talks about not being willing to move him was. Eight games ago, when the Magic were still yeah. in the thick of it for um, a play-in spot, and and it's kind of like the same thing with Beal, and like, so I kind of get it. Like, if you have a really good player, like, why would you want to trade him if you down the road can still see yourself being competitive? But like, if I'm a free agent or if I'm someone that wants to get traded, I would still much rather get traded to Washington than Orlando. Oh hell yeah, not even close. Um. I mean, yeah, I I just don't know. I mean, like, what what I don't really know what they're trying to accomplish with Vucevic. Um, Is it just to be a playoff team? Because I don't I don't see Vucevic as a number one or even a number two option. Like, I think on a contending team, Vucevic is a third option. I mean, the highest they've ever been is an eight seed, right? I mean, his entire time there, have they ever been anything higher? I mean, at least with Beal here, we've been. Uh, a, f- a four seed, four. right? Yeah, yeah, four, and that was before he was as good as he is now. Um, right. So, I mean, I, I just, I'm just kind of like, what are you trying to, like, unless you feel like you're gonna draft a guy that's gonna, they need to draft two guys that are better than Vucevic. What is the likelihood that that happens if you're gonna be picking, you know, outside of the top five? Right, right. You know, because like I say, to me, Vucevic is a third option on a contending team. Like if you put yes. Vucevic on the Lakers or the, I don't know, any any top five team in the league right now. I mean, the Clippers Vucevic, too. Yeah, the, the Clippers. Like he's not a top two option to me. No. Um, so that's what you're going to build your whole team around? Like, uh, Nah, yeah. like you, I think you're spinning your wheels on that. So, like, do you feel like Isaac can become that legitimate star? Do you feel like Markel Fultz can be that? Uh, do you feel like you could position yourself in the draft? This draft that has some guys that have that type of ability, maybe, and you can get one of them. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. Because I just I, I, I think, just don't think they move the needle like that Isaac and and Fultz like I don't think they're gonna catapult you to stardom once they come back healthy like I I just don't see that. No, and that was gonna be my point. And at this point, Isaac has had a lot of injuries, um, and Fultz has been injury prone. And then also, I mean, I'm just not a Markel Fultz truther. I don't think that he's that great. So, I mean, I think he has good physical tools and all that, but just overall game, I'm just, um, 
not overly yeah coming conference. off another acl like he's, he'd be coming off of acl isaac would be coming off of acl like how good do you really like how good did you expect him to be before they got hurt and now that they didn't take a major injury how like just being realistic how good do you think they could be right now i just don't see anyway um i mean i don't know what other teams are going to be hard sellers i would say again i think it's really hard this year and this is why I think the league seriously needs to take a look at this going forward because if they want to keep doing this play-in nonsense, there, there's going to be less trades every year, which I think kind of ruins the entertainment of the product because one of the things you look forward to in the NBA is the trades and all, all that sort of stuff. So, But if you're competing, you're going to be more reluctant to, to giving up those pieces that you already have on your team to teams that yeah. may be more competitive than you because ideally you're trying to catch up to those more competitive teams. So I, I like it for, for the competitiveness and like, I get it. Like if you really want to not have to be part of the plane, well then you should play better during the season. And it like, ideally it makes you more competitive and I get it, but I still think that they should go back to the old format. Um, and again, I don't know what the plan for that is after the season, but I like the, the one through, eight and then you know if you didn't make it you didn't make it i mean if they, if they want to do like a nine verse eight sort of thing i guess then then maybe like and they have like the eight eight seed has to beat nine once nine has to beat eight twice to get in like i think that'd be fine with me i'd rather have that but i still think that the way this format is now it's going to kind of make it so there's not as much trades especially um like within their own conference like East teams are not yeah. going to want to trade with East teams. West teams are not going to want to no. trade with West and that sort of thing. I mean, I like it from a competitive standpoint. Like, I like the idea of teams, like, trying to win. Like, I don't want to see the Sam Hinky tanking Sixers again where you barely win in 10 games in a season. Like, that's not good. That's I don't think that's good product for the NBA where teams are trying to lose. Um, you know, yeah. you just don't have the talent – and say, you know, you're trading, you trade all the vets for young guys and picks, and you're just losing because those guys just don't know how to play basketball yet. Well, fine. But like where you're actively shipping off your good players for, you know, and you're supplementing them with like G League guys and guys off the street, 10 day contracts, like that, that's ridiculous. Like I don't want to see, I don't want to see that again. I really yeah. don't. Yeah. I understand that. Um, I guess it's just because they, they got to think about entertainment and that sort of stuff too. And then also like for, for a team like us who desperately needs to win. I mean, if there are more teams that are trying to win, that limits more options of guys that we could trade for to add on our team and that sort of thing. So um, I definitely understand that. I just, I, I would rather have it go back to normal next season. And I know that they're just trying to make it fair because of COVID and all that, like, again, like, the Wizards got hit in the beginning of the season with COVID, and that, you know, you could make an argument that that put them back a few games. Well, well, what if they're that nine seed and they were only a few games back of eight? Then you could say, well, okay, well, if you take out the COVID protocols, and they should probably be the eight seed. So, right. um, so I get it from that, but, I mean, next year, when hopefully the protocols are kind of chilled out and we get this vaccine rolling more and more, that... um I mean, I would just like to go back to the old format. Um, do you have yeah. any final thoughts here before we go on and close out? Any thoughts on 
upcoming games, past games, um, anything we talked about today, Russ, trade deadline, anything? Uh, they need to beat these Kings, man, and hopefully uh, they address some of their needs coming this deadline. Um, you know, because I just felt like I feel like the 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 summer free agency was kind of a whiff. Uh, mm-hmm. So hopefully Tommy can uh can kind of make up a little bit for that this uh trade deadline. I mean, maybe the more you think about it, maybe that Lopez contract was kind of by design because like that's a decent salary that you can throw out there that's a that's expiring to bring in, like we were saying earlier, a guy who maybe on a multi-year deal that teams just don't want on the books for future seasons. So, um, yeah, you gotta have high value, high dollar salaries to move in trades. Um, yeah. so then I mean, by my, by that case, then I'm like, move it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Make that sign. If you're going to give him 7 million, then you need to make sure you trade him to get a legitimate asset back. Yeah. Because I think we can all agree, and it's no offense to Robin Lopez, but he's not worth seven point three million on any team. So, um, all right, I guess that'll go ahead and do it for us here today. Uh, we want to thank you guys for tuning in as always. We will, dang, I mean, I want to say we'll probably get back right after the trade deadline um, to talk about the the moves that were made or not made in the Eastern Conference and the moves that were made or not made with the Wizards. So um, definitely some exciting stuff to look forward to. I think you were saying, what, well, we got Sacramento, Utah, and New York twice. Is that right? Yep. I see two and two. I think that's fair. Uh, it's either going to be that or one and three. But I wouldn't be shocked if it was 0 and 4. Yeah, me neither. Let's see. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time.